listening to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Talk to Howie. Call 1-877-669-1292. And I'm Howie Silbiger, the host of the Howie Silbiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. And what a week it's been. Uh, in fact, it's been two weeks. We didn't show, we didn't do a show last week, so this has been two weeks now. And what a two weeks it's been. So much has happened in the last two weeks that uh, I decided to bring on Sheldon right away, right off the top of the show. I decided to bring on Sheldon. And so you see Sheldon right there on the side of the screen, uh, and he'll be on the show with me uh, throughout the entire show. Uh, but before we speak to Sheldon, before we speak to Sheldon, uh, let, me just, let me just tell you how this week has gone, just so you understand how crazy of a week this has been. At the beginning of the week, I, I was called a fascist, racist, homophobe. And that was based on the show I did two weeks ago. Uh, I don't know where the homophobe came in, but it was a fascist, racist, uh, based, on, uh, based on, my, um, on my continuous objection to the support of the Black Lives Matter uh, organization. Now, of course, I, I made this very clear, and I, I keep making it clear, but... Uh, People keep taking it out of context, as people tend to do. Uh, I support black lives. I mean, who doesn't? I support all lives. I support everybody's life. Everybody's life is precious. Judaism teaches us that life is paramount to anything else. And so because I'm an Orthodox Jew and because I have moral values, I support lives. I support people's lives. I don't believe in oppression. I don't believe in, uh, in suppression of rights. I don't believe in, uh, in holding anyone back from doing anything that they could achieve. And I've been like that my whole life. Uh, you can look back at anything I've ever written, anything I've ever hosted, anything I've ever said, and you will see consistently. I've had, always had a consistent um, pattern of thought when it comes to, uh, when it comes to um, people and their rights. And, and my consistent pattern of thought always followed the idea uh, of essentially libertarianism. I do what I do, you do what you do, and um, I won't judge you for what you do, you don't judge me for what I do. I will only judge you and I will only talk about you if you do evil or if you make the religion look bad. That's the only time I'll talk about you. And in my opinion, doing evil, committing crimes and doing all sorts of weird stuff and making the religion look bad are on the same plane. That's my opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. And the reason I'm entitled to my opinion and I am not forcing my opinion onto you. You have the option to listen to the show or not listen to the show, to watch the show or not watch the show. That is your option. Uh, I, uh, I express my opinion, and uh, I invite you to either call in, we have an open line the entire show, or to write to me or to post up on Facebook or on uh, YouTube or on Instagram or on Periscope or wherever else we are being broadcast. There's always a chat box that you could just post into there if you disagree with something I say. So that's the kind of guy I am. So for somebody to call me that over the course of the week was, 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 didn't bother me. I mean, I've been in this business way too long for things like this to bother me. I didn't lose any sleep over it. I just thought it was silly. I thought it was silly. I think it's silly when people resort to personal insults instead of arguing the points. I think it's silly when people go to personal insults when they, when they come after you personally instead of arguing the ideas 
Uh, I express ideas. I express a political philosophy. I, I talk about politics and I express my opinion on politics. But once again, it is solely my opinion. Now, other people have other opinions. Not everybody agrees with my opinion. I know that Sheldon for sure doesn't agree with a lot of the stuff I say. And that's fine. Because you're entitled to your opinion. Sheldon's entitled to his opinion. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. And that's what makes the show fun. The fact that I could express my opinion. You could call and express your opinion. Sheldon could express his opinion. When Mark is on, he could express his opinion. And anybody could express any opinion they want on the show. I never shut anybody up. I never tell anybody to get lost. I always listen to everything everybody has to say. I might respond to it, but I listen to it. And uh, at the end of the day, we could walk away from the show still being friends. At the end of the day, we could walk away from the show still respecting each other. At the end of the day, it is just a political opinion. It's, 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 not, uh, it's not the end of the world if we disagree with each other. We could agree to disagree because that's the way mature adults behave. That's the way mature people behave. We agree to disagree. We don't break down into, into name-calling fights. We don't break down into, uh, into, into spitting wars or, or, or into, into some, kind of, and some kind of stupidity of, uh, of insulting each other. That's not how grown people are supposed to react and supposed to behave. And, and so when, when, somebody, when somebody says something nasty like that about me, uh, it doesn't bother me per se. I'm not, I'm not bothered by it. I don't lose sleep over it. I don't, uh, I don't fret about it. I don't go walk around going, oh my gosh, he doesn't like me. I don't care if you like me or not. Uh, what I do care about is the, is the respect. The respect of you giving me the right to have my opinion and me giving you the right to have your opinion. That's called respect. And, and, and I live my life by respect. This is, this is how I, I, I operate. This is how my life operates. I respect people, and I expect the same back from them. Now, people who don't respect me, okay. So they are not as mature as I am. Okay, I could live with that. I could live with the fact that some people are just not, are not mature. I, I can live with it. I can live with it. It's still not right to go and start insulting people. It's just stupid. So if you have something to say to me, and you feel that uh, a point of view that I'm expressing is not consistent with your moral values or consistent with your express, expressive point of view, that's fine. You have the option to write to me. You could talk to me. We could discuss it. You have the option to turn me off. Just click on that little uh, X on, the, on top of the screen and you'll never have to see me again. You have the option to, uh, you, you have the option to call in and we could argue about it on the air. So many different options. Name calling isn't one of them. So the next time somebody posts up a name-calling thing on Facebook about me, uh, when, when, it, when it refers to me, uh, if you're posting on my page or on one of these show pages, if you, if you, if you post a name-calling thing, I will delete you immediately and ban you from the page. Simple as that. Because if we can't have a rational conversation, there's no point in having a conversation at all. I'm Howie Silberger. If you want to call in, the number to call, one 669 1292 that's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy because my friend Sheldon Eric Fried is here, and that makes me happy. Hi, Sheldon. Welcome back. Hi, Howie. How are you doing? How's it going? I am great, thank God. How are you? Very, very well. So you had a, a really uh, interesting week, have you? Well, you know, it's always interesting. It just gets more and more interesting as the week goes on. But you know what? I agree with what you're saying. You know what? Uh, I mean, I I know that you and I may not 
uh, necessarily agree on everything. But one thing we always have for e- each other and, and uh, for the listeners out there, let's not forget, Howie and I have been friends for many, many years, worked at the same radio station, and then, of course, working at True Talk Radio for uh, for now about seven years. That's going to be going on in this uh, in it the Seven fall. years already? Yeah, it was wow. uh, October of 2013. A long time uh, that you invited me to come on, and I've been uh, I, I've been a contributor and producer ever since. So it's been a it's been a wild ride. Covered many just for laugh shows, yeah. and and it was really uh, it's amazing how fast it really goes. Yeah, seriously, seven years. Wow. But I never understand people that, regardless of what people's point of views are. I mean, even if you and I don't agree, and you you really hit the nail right on the head. Uh, even if we don't agree, we still respect each other. And I think the people are missing out. And I, I would see a lot of Facebook chatter about so many different things, COVID-19 or Trump or anybody else or whatever political affiliation. And right away, I would hear people call idiots or stupid or like name calling people instead of actually saying, well, I don't agree with him because of this and making a rational reason rather than people just calling each other names. Because once you call somebody a name to me, you pretty much... You, you you pretty much cancel out any point at all that you might have. Well, that's right the uh, that's the general rule of debate, by the way. If you yeah. uh, if you resort to name calling, uh, you've lost the debate. There's you, you don't have an argument. So because you don't have an argument, you're debating. You're 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 insulting. One of the things about debates that I've always found it's like I don't you know obviously I do not pretend to know everything what's going on or whatever the case is. And sometimes I might say something and somebody might that might have a, a different point of view, might say something, but in- intelligent. And if they open up my mind, I respect them for doing that. If somebody says, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're talking about, anything like that, then I think that's a total waste of time. Because in reality, it's not the question, I don't know what I'm talking about. I wouldn't say that to somebody. I wouldn't insult somebody like that. And if somebody's saying that to me, that's p- depicting their intelligence. Right. It's not uh, right. So that's the thing. If they're saying, well you know what, really it should be, let's look at it this way. Or if, if it's, it's debates are about learning also. And this is what really kills me in a lot of these political debates instead of a lot of these candidates debating the issue. And again, it does not make a difference to me what side, which political party you're on. A debate is a debate. It's about intellectual facts. It's about, it's about, it's, it's about a plus concrete evidence. And basically just trying to, Open up people's minds about certain things. That does not necessarily mean you have to agree with what the person is saying. But at least you have an ear open, you're listening, and you're saying, this person has an interesting point. I never thought about it that way. Okay, and so let, you, me, let me ask you this then. Yeah. So earlier in the week, we found out that uh, Nick Cannon, the host of uh, The Masked Singer, the former host of America's Got Talent, mm-hmm. uh, had a podcast where he said some pretty awful things about white people and Jewish people. Uh, do we give him a pass for that because it's his opinion? Do we allow him to uh, to get away with it, or do we hold him accountable for what he says? No, we have to hold him accountable because if if we don't, if people just uh, sweep it under the rug, then it invites more people to say more bad things about these about any minority group, any religious group, or whatever. You ha- especially if you're a public fig- figure. If you're a public figure, whether or not you do a podcast, I mean, look, you take a look at our shows. We never see anything derogatory derogatory against anyone. No, we try we not respect, to. We try not to. You know, we, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, like, legitimately, like, if a, if a person, 
is let's say left-wing or if a person is this or a person is like that you may not agree with them but you but you don't you like you just said before you don't insult them you don't go out of your way to insult them you may not agree with their point of view is that's fine that's what political debates are respectful political respectful debates but if somebody that's a public figure that right away goes out insults a minority group insults a religious group that person has to be accountable They're, you know people are going to say listen that's not that's not acceptable if a person does something wrong whether or not it's a minority whether or not it's a religious group you can't say everybody in that uh, minority group everybody in that religious group is all going to be like that if a person does a mistake that person does did an independent mistake yeah no, I agree. you can't you can't put all your eggs in one basket saying if one person does this everybody in that skin color Everybody in that religious group is going to do it. That's that's completely that's completely unfair. Okay, so with the Nick Cannon story, uh, CBS Viacom fired him immediately. Mm-hmm. So he, he produced a bunch of shows on CBS, and they fired him as the producer of these shows immediately. And the right. um, the owner of uh, CBS Viacom, uh, Sharon uh, Redstone, got up and said that this kind of behavior and this kind of talk is not acceptable on our network from anybody on our network at any time. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're going to engage this kind of talk, we cannot have you employed with our network. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's commendable. I thought that was a very commendable way to, uh, to, to handle it. So Nick Cannon, seeing his career starting to collapse, uh, came up with a hasty apology where it was the woe-to-me apology. Oh, but you know, I was on for 25 years, and oh, now I'm gone, and the Jews control the media, and because I said something bad against the Jews, uh, now I'm losing my job, so I'm sorry to my Jewish brethren. Uh, please don't make me lose my job. That was his first apology. Oh, uh, boy. Fox News... Oh. Uh, Fox News, I'm sorry, Fox, the network owned by Disney, did not fire Nick Cannon. He didn't fire them. They didn't fire him. Um, mm-hmm. He came up with a second apology about a day later, after uh, people called him out for his horrific first apology. He came up with a second apology where he said, listen, uh, I have a lot of learning to do. You know, that old learning thing. I'm learning, and uh, I'm not really a racist. I'm just ignorant, and I'm learning. Give me a break. Right? So that was the second apology. Uh so Fox still has him employed. Uh, in my opinion, now I'm not, I'm not big on the cancel culture. I don't think we should cancel things or people. I, I'm not huge on that. But in my opinion, when somebody comes out blatantly and says that, uh, that, that white people and Jewish people are no better than animals and that, um, and that, uh, that, you know, that you usurp the black guy and they, they go on with this whole Nation of Islam thing. Um, and Nation of Islam, of course, is a hate group. Let's, let's be clear about that. Uh, Louis Farrakhan uh-huh. is a hate leader, and Nation of Islam is a hate group. Uh, uh-huh. when, when somebody goes about and, um, and, and pushes the philosophy of the Nation of Islam and pushes the hateful philosophy of the Nation of Islam, uh, I don't think that they should be given a national platform. I think they should be pulled off the air. Uh, that's, that's, that's the way I feel. I uh, think so, too. Not that I think that you know, just because I disagree with something, it's canceled, but here is somebody promoting hatred. There's a difference between promoting hatred and pushing a political point of view that might be, uh, might be unpopular. There's a huge difference between the two of them. I'm actually surprised that the, uh, the sponsors for Fox, um, they didn't threaten to pull out or they didn't, thre- they, they didn't threaten to boycott Fox because they're still keeping Nick Cannon employed. Well, the, the fallout of this hasn't, hasn't really come to its full peak yet. Okay. Uh, this just kind of broke this week. It usually takes a week or two for, for the momentum to begin. 
But uh, I, I have a feeling that by the time the Masked Singer comes around again, if it comes around again, if COVID ever goes away and we're allowed to have, you know, TV shows again, uh, mm-hmm. if the Masked Singer comes around again, I, I'm, I, I'm skeptical that Nick Cannon is going to be the host. That's what I would think so, too. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because this guy spent his entire life in Hollywood. He built his career step by step. I mean, he started at the bottom and worked his way to the top. He was married to Mariah Carey at one point. Yeah, he was. And, and he, uh, he worked his way to the top, and now it's all coming crashing down. But, you know, when you, when you engage in stupidity and you engage in racism, that's what's going to happen to you. You know, many people would die for an opportunity like this to, to get in front. I mean, look, there was a certain well-known person uh, that was a former Montreal radio personality that got into a, a big, big, uh, big, big talk show uh, circuit. Uh, put the boss, the chairman, the chairman of the network on the air without hi- notifying him, and he wound up getting fired on the air. I, and this I was, was a person. I was his producer. I was there yeah. when that happened. And that was a yeah. person that had so much potential. Oh, he for had, sure. He was getting paid. A, he was getting a certain percentage of the gross of the of the uh, earnings of the show and everything. And uh, he was he was doing very very well for himself. Yeah. And now you now you don't hear. So the thing is, it's amazing when you get this type. Uh, I of, produced that show. And he was warned. Yeah. He was warned multiple times, and he did it anyway. Yeah. So the thing is, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm invincible. And sometimes it's that's the old-fashioned ego. When you get into a business like this, you feel like you're in, you're untouchable, and you then you get in. Oh, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm invincible. This is my name, and I've been on the business for so many years. And I remember when I first. But you, got but you know my what happens? Year. You know what happens with a guy like that? Sorry for interrupting, but you know what happens no with a guy like that though? is that when he gets fired, his whole crew gets fired. So he was out of yeah. a job. I was out of a job. You know, uh, there were two other people working. They were out of jobs. We were all out of jobs because yeah. he didn't listen to a warning, and all of us lost our jobs. Yeah, because he felt that you were also born the same responsibility because you produced the show. Right. So the thing, I mean, it's not right because, uh, you know, each person's uh, decision is independent. And it's their own. So you shouldn't you shouldn't take the fall for something that someone else did that you have no control. You, all you could do is say, listen, you shouldn't do this, do this and warn him for not only his good, but for the show's good as well. Uh, he decided not to listen to you. And then, like you said, everybody got fired from the show. Yeah, it's that's terrible. what happens. The show gets so, shut down yeah. and everybody loses their job. So the thing is, in this business, this is where ego is so, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I know one thing, when I first got my first commercial radio job in Ottawa, I was told, it doesn't make a difference of how many years you're in, you're doing the show, whether or not you're behind the board or you're in, you're in front of the microphone. Always remember that every day, you never take advantage of your job. You thank God that you, you, uh, you're doing this job, you're doing something you love to do. But also at the same time, you know, you're making a name for yourself. You're representing the station and the community. You have to remember that you have this awesome, you have this awesome power to the point that you, you can't misuse it. Like if you're doing a newscast, as you know, you're responsible for doing the facts. You're responsible by not, not going, you know, not doing anything that'd be contrary to the policies of the broadcasting unit. Otherwise, I was, you will be fired. I remember I was about 23 years old when I started uh, in commercial radio. And um, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Sheldon, we're old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was 23 years old when, we start, when I started in commercial radio. 
Uh, Sheldon was there the first day I was there too, and um, and uh, I, I remember uh, somewhere around a year or two years after I got into uh, into radio, I was uh, bothering the station. I wanted to get my own show, mm-hmm. and I was bothering the station, giving them demo tapes, and you know, doing the process, going through the process of trying to get my own show, and. Um, and there was another guy working at the station. I'm not going to mention names, but another guy working at the station who, um, who was given a show. He was just handed them. Here you go. Have a show. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have to fight for it. He didn't have to work for it. He didn't have to do anything for it. He just got the show. And the guy was around my age. He was maybe a year, a year younger than me, a year older than me, somewhere around my age. And I was his producer. I produced the show. And he would come in every week, and he would be complaining that he had to prepare for the show and he had to do the show and he had to do it and he's preparing for it and so much work. Complaining, complaining, complaining. And I'd sit there and listen to him complain. He'd sit in the studio with me and complain. And I'd sit there and listen to him complain. And, and, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, wow, here's a guy who feels entitled. Here's a guy with a massive ego. I'm struggling here trying to get a show on the station, fighting for years to try to get a show on the station, which never actually happened. I mean, I got I got I got on the station for, I think, what was it, six hours, <laughs> six hours in the entire 12 years I was there. They, oh, they let me on the air. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from the uh, aside from the co-hosting I had to do with the uh, very sick Jack Finnegan. But uh, aside from that, the um, you know, they gave me six hours of my own show. Uh and that was just to replace something, you know, who's kind of filler in between everything. So I, here I am. Here I am fighting to get a show. This guy was handed it to him on a silver platter, and all he's doing is complaining. And I'm like, wow, how entitled are you? And, and that's what reminded me. That, that was the story that came to mind when, um, when, I read this, when I heard the story about Nick Cannon. Here's a guy who worked hard to get to the top. Nobody handed him anything. He worked really hard to get there. Gets to the top. And then becomes self-destructive, and mm-hmm. does and, and and says these things that no normal pe- person would ever dream uh, that saying these things out loud would 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 gain them um, popularity or would would allow them to continue to um, allow them to continue to uh, to to be on a national stage, mm-hmm. and, and it just bothers me that you know that people who work that hard and people who are that focused on career. Could destroy their career just like that. It's called and, success going. And not even to their think heads. about it. That's what it's. It's called success going to their heads. Uh, it's a part of an ego, and it's part of also just letting it, just go. Instead of controlling it and be grateful that you have that opportunity, it just goes to your head, and then you then it's you feel like it's the the big word entitlement, and that's and many careers have fallen like that. You and I have known many people that that's yeah. happened to. And it's a question of the be able to the big C word control to control this type of because it's not an ordinary job. It's not like an assembly line factory. You're whether or not you're doing the news, hosting a show, producing a show, your name is out there. Your name is out there. And it's amazing. The it, it's amazing the power that that has. But at the same time, you have to. You have to be thankful. And look, I I have this opportunity every once in a while for a replacement for a commercial radio station uh, to do news. I never took it for granted. I always appreciated my boss. I was appreciated the opportunity. I never let it go to my head. Yeah, you can. And 
And the, and the thing is, once you let it go to your head, your career is finished. And as easily as you can, as, as well, it, it, the hardest thing, it's not easy when you first get into the business, as you know, you have to make demo tapes, you really have to pay your dues, work all these different types of hours, all these different types of shifts. And, and you really have to go um, really, it's, it's almost like even in the small town where years ago before the broadcasting schools, you basically had to sweep the floors and, uh, and clean the toilets and everything like that and then do the news and do everything at a small town radio station. And, it, and you know what? It takes a lot. It takes a, for me, as when I got my radio career off the ground, there were many doors that were slammed in my face and I could have easily given up or whatever. And I said, no, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to do this in high school. And I was very, very lucky. And every single opportunity, no matter what I do, no matter if it's paid or not paid, uh, look, I'm always very, very thankful to you. I'm thankful to anybody that gives me a podcasting opportunity or paid opportunity of any kind. Um, I always know I never, I never say, you know, I'm, I'm this, 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 and that. I'm not at a podium. I worked very hard to what I've, to what I've accomplished. You worked very hard for what you have accomplished, but you know what you, you, you have a reputation. Your reputation is stellar. It's very strong. Same thing with me. And I don't take it for granted. You don't take your reputation for granted. Once you take the reputation for granted, then you go into the entitlement period, and then that's when you know what it is, Sheldon. All the hard work just breaks off, and that's where things happen. You know what it is, Sheldon. Well, I realize, and I'm sure you do too, that every time I flick on a microphone, every time I type a word into Facebook, every time I uh, I post a picture, or or forward a meme, that's my reputation. Because mm-hmm. you're only remembered for the last thing you ever do. So yeah. So you know, if this show wasn't if this show wasn't good. I'd be remembered for a bad show, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They only people only remember the last thing you did. So yep. we had the most popular radio show on sixteen fifty AM. There was nobody more popular than us. We had tens of thousands of listeners. Uh, verified tens of thousands of listeners, and the station didn't appreciate us, and there we left. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I never ever dreamt that I could get on the air. And just express hatred towards somebody. I didn't even do that against the station. And the station mistreated us for years. They mistreated me. They mistreated the show for years. Mm-hmm. And I never once got on the air and, and expressed hatred towards anybody. Uh, I was just grateful that they gave me, that they, they, they carried the show for the uh, 18 years we were on there. And I was grateful that I was able to move the show online and be able to do the show online. I've never badmouthed them. Well, you see, I'm very fortunate in terms of Bell because I learned a lot of stuff from CJD yeah. and Bell where I would never have been able to to get all my radio career off the ground. And it now spawned me in a lot of areas. And, I, you know, I go into a lot of places and even, look, it's been now uh, going to my seventh year that I've been out of CJD. People still remember who I am. And I'm uh, and I say, you know, I'm, I'm really it's a really appreciated that they've. Uh, you know, I was working with some amazing, amazing people. Uh, I worked with uh, George Balkan. I worked with Gord Sinclair. I worked with like the best of the best of the best. Yeah. And uh, I worked with Jack, not as uh, long as you worked with Jack, but I, I worked with Jack at one point. I worked with Dave Fisher. I worked with Tommy Schneermacher for 17 years uh, doing, a, doing a radio show. Tommy, in many cases, would say, I, 
I knew knew him better than he knew himself. I knew when he was going to go to a break. I knew everything about what he was going to do. His characteris his characteristics, his mannerisms, and everything. And it, you know, he taught me that so many people have taught me so many things. And for me to say that, you know, I know it all. And that's the thing, especially with a business like this. And it's not only this business, but it's a business that you and I could equate. You and I are very obviously very familiar with. How many people do you and I both know? And I could name it. I could probably name you off like ten people off the top of my head, um, off air. And I can see how many people really blew, you know, really blew smoke, like really thought that they were, you know, they thought that they were it. They were like. G dash D gift, and they you were know, all like, and they were all humbled at the end. That's the, uh, you know, like and it's thing. like amazing how when you work with a lot of these people that are legendary people on the air, and then you know they shut off their mics and they they you know they go back home to their families or, you know, like I worked with Tommy and I'll tell you that Tommy's the same person on the air as he is off the air. He's a tremendous sense of humor. He's he's really fantastic people and there's other people that are completely different that are very very introverted like yeah. tommy will speak he write he writes books he's uh he's very gifted um he could be he could go on stage and make people laugh like he's a very he's a multi-talented person but you have like people that would uh george balkan uh that was a, an artist that a lot of people didn't know and uh, and but he was like a consummate broadcaster and a lot of these people were very down earth but a lot of people were very very egotistical people. Yeah, I um, I see a few of them on Facebook. <laughs> uh, um, sure. They, yeah, for sure. You know, there are people. There are people on Facebook, and and this goes back to the whole ego. You know, Nick Cannon said the things he said because of his ego, mm-hmm. and because he felt he was untouchable and that he would be able to get away with saying what he said. So he said what he said. Uh, hopefully, he he'll pay the price for uh, for expressing a hateful opinion. Yeah. Um. That, that I hope. I mean, you know, I, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I look on Facebook, and you know, I post a lot of political stuff on Facebook. I don't know if you noticed, I post a lot of political stuff on Facebook, and um, and uh, it's always the same three, four people who respond, and they're usually talking down to me or being arrogant or uh, or, or, or 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 being idiots. I hate to say it, but they are, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say being idiots, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying their behavior is idiotic. They're not idiots. Their behavior is idiotic. The things they say is idiotic, because I'm once not. They st- once they talk down to you anyway, whatever points they have is completely nullified. So um, they could be the smartest people in the world, but right away, as soon as they talk down to a person, yeah. No, I, I and you know what? I've blocked many people, and I've got rid of a lot of people on Facebook because they. I don't expect everybody to agree to agree with me, okay? But again, it's the same thing like I've I've talked to you about many many times. Even if you and I don't agree on a lot of things, and there's a lot of things we do agree on, it's not it's not that we always disagree with everything. And you say something, I automatically disagree with you because you're Howie Silberger. But I'm saying there's a lot of things I agree with you. There's a lot of things you agree with me. There's something. There's things that I don't agree with you. There's things you don't agree with me. But at least we respect one another. I don't talk down to you you don't talk down to me we respect one another yeah and if 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 let's say you get these three or four people that going are going onto your facebook page and right away they're 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 talking down to you 
what's the what's their point that they're talking down to you? It's because you're right, and because they're, they they think that if they try to insult you, that they're better people. No, but if they come up with something that makes you raise your eyebrows and say maybe they have a point. Some people feel that if they discredit you personally, that discredits your opinion. So if you're and, making and, a, if you're if you're pushing a point of view. And, mm-hmm. and they feel that if they come on and discredit you as a person, so Sheldon Eric Freed, I'm going to discredit Sheldon Eric Freed, not the opinion that Sheldon Eric Freed is expressing, but Sheldon Eric Freed himself, I'm going to discredit. They feel that if they do that, then, then the opinion is automatically discredited. So well, I, that's I, the thing with political when, so, when so, it comes to, sorry to interrupt, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Aside from the show, I, I have a lot of other interests outside of the show, and I do a lot of different things. I'm a very busy guy over the course of the week. And mm-hmm. I do multiple, multiple, like lots of different stuff. And uh, one thing that uh, one thing about me is that uh, I've always been a big fan of the United States of America. My okay. bar mitzvah theme was uh, red, white, and blue. Uncle Sam. That was the theme of my bar mitzvah. That's how far back it goes with me and my love affair with the United States. Okay. Okay. Even before that, I, I've flown an American flag in my house forever, as far back as I can remember. Right. I'm okay. I'm not American, but. But I happen to love the states. I love the history of the United States. I love the whole concept of a, of a, of a republic. I, I like the idea of the United States of America. And I like the, uh, the idea of the freedoms that, uh, that, that a country like the United States gives their citizens. And so over the course of the years, I've learned a lot of American history. And I've, uh, I've studied American history. I studied at the university level. I've studied on a personal level. I've, I've done a lot of study on American history. Mm-hmm. So um, okay. just last week... One of the guys who speaks down to me all the time, who always, uh, who's always on, uh, who's always answering my Facebook uh, posts, and he speaks down to me all the time, and he's always insulting me, and he's always uh, doing something, uh, something nasty. Uh, he, he, we were talking about the removal of Confederate statues. Okay. And I said, uh, my 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 position, by the way, I'll be clear on my position on the Confederate statues, uh, and let me be extremely clear on this. I believe that statues that depict Confederate soldiers uh, should be removed uh, simply because they were traitors to the United States. They were trying to break up the Union, um, and, and, and traitors should not be commemorated. So in the United States, if they have um, military bases named after, after uh, Confederate leaders, or they have statues up on Confederate leaders, or they have schools named after Confederate leaders, those names should be changed. They shouldn't have been there to start with. Not because I think it's racist to have those names. It's not racist to have those names. But I think that it's wrong that a country, a free and independent country, should be uh, memorializing traitors who tried to break up the country. Okay, fair enough. So the Civil War, uh, the, um, the Civil War had the Confederacy won the Civil War, the Union would have been the traitors. Had the Confederacy lost the Civil War, the Confederacy were the traitors. That's the way history works. Okay. And so these people should not be commemorated. So this is the um, this is the way I think. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if there's a there was a plaque here in Montreal on um, on the bay saying that during the just after the um, the Civil War, Confederate leader Jefferson Davis slept here in the in the spot where the bay stands downtown. There was a house, and he slept there for a week or two weeks uh, while he was hiding out from the Union armies before he worked at a deal to go back and not be charged with treason. So. Um, uh, some guy walked by and said, oh, it's Confederacy, we have to take it down. And the Bay ran out and took it down. And that I thought was wrong. Okay, so let me explain why one is right and one is wrong. 
why is it okay to take down a statue of Jefferson Davis in the United States? And it's not right to take down a plaque saying that Jefferson Davis slept here in Canada. Uh, let, me, let me explain to you why I think one is right, one is wrong. Because I, I think mm. it's important to make the differentiation. Um, in Canada, a plaque on a wall, even in the States, a plaque on a wall saying, in this spot, this happened during the Civil War or just after the Civil War is a historical point. So when somebody reads it and says, oh, Jefferson Davis, who is Jefferson Davis? Let's go look back and let's read up on, uh, on the history. It encourages people, plaques encourage people to go and, and study the history. If they're interested and the plaque is interesting and the plaque makes an interesting point, people might go back and learn the history. So it encourages mm-hmm. people to go back and study history. And history is important to know. Uh, just for those listening who don't understand why it's important to study history, history is important to know because history works in trends. So it's, it's cycles. And history repeats itself over and over again. So if you see the cycle reoccurring, there's time to stop whatever horrible thing is going to happen at the end of the cycle. So it's important to know history and to recognize the trends in order to, um, in order to stop atrocities from happening. Uh, we don't learn enough history, in my opinion. So taking down the plaque of Jefferson Davis, because it's an interesting point that the leader of the Confederacy was in Montreal and staying in a house on the corner of St. Catherine Street in downtown Montreal, it's an interesting, it's an interesting footnote in history. And it doesn't insult anybody. It's not, it's not saying that uh, we supported the Confederacy. It's just an interesting point in history. And taking that down is wrong, in my opinion. Um, okay. On the other hand, uh, having a statue... Having a statue uh, standing may generate somebody to say, who was this guy and why is there a statue about him? That might be the point. But statues aren't there to generate questions about history. Statues are there to glorify the person on the statue. They're glorification. So statues should, um, so statues should be taken down of people who don't, uh, who don't fit into the narrative of the uh, of the country that they're in? That's why that I, makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. why I had no no objections when the um, when when after the Bolsheviks and the Soviets were overrun, they took down all the statues of um, uh, of Stalin. That's fine because mm-hmm. those statues were there just to glorify Stalin. They weren't there to promote uh, education. Right now, the statues of the Confederacy, most of the statues in the United States went up in the 1970s and 80s. And they were mostly in, um, in opposition to the desegregation of the South. Mm-hmm. So they put up these statues. And these statues were intentionally put up to insult the, blacks, the black people in, in the South. So taking them down, is, I have no problem with that. Taking down a statue of Abraham Lincoln put up by black slaves to thank him for, uh, for the emancipation of, of, of black slavery is wrong, in my opinion. So you mm-hmm. see, the statues have different weights. And you have to really look at each one and understand... Why each one exists in order to decide whether they should exist or not. They should be taken by case by case. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. You have to take a look at each one. Exactly. Yeah. So this is why. um, So this is why I, you know, I support taking down statues, Mm -hmm. Uh, certain statues, not all statues, because certain people deserve to be glorified. Uh, Abraham Lincoln definitely deserves to be glorified as a Republican president who passed the Emancipation Proclamation and freed blacks from slavery in the United States, gave them civil rights. Uh, well, he didn't give them civil rights. Uh, his, the next two presidents gave him civil rights. I, mm-hmm. think, I think he deserves the, uh, the glory that he's given. Okay. You know, kneeling for the national anthem of the United States, I think, is wrong. 
you want to protest, find other ways to protest. That's not a good way to protest. Because when you kneel for the national anthem, you are showing disrespect for the country. And, and showing disrespect for the country is not making your point. You want to make a point that there's police brutality. You want to make a point that, that you're upset with the police department or something else. Uh, insulting the country is not the way to do it. I mean, that's my personal opinion. People disagree with me. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, too. And if you want to express it, you can feel free to call in. one 669 1292 1-877-669-1292. Sheldon Freed is here with me. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. And once again, let me give you the numbers one more time. one 669 1292 You know, I could say, like, speaking of the police and everything, it's uh, amazing that now uh, there's, been a, there's been a huge spike in crime in New York. And there's a lot of speculation, a lot of talk that a lot of police have been backing off. A lot of them are, they, there's been a fair amount of resignations. Did People you blame just, them? Uh, no, no. I'm, you know, again, it goes to everything else. It's like everybody takes actions of a, of a police officer, like Chauvin, and right away, they're, they're equating all police officers are like that. And I'm sorry, it, that's wrong. Again, I'm not saying that all police officers are innocent either. This is, a, it, this is where people have to realize that you have to take each person and each set, situation separate. You can't bunch in everybody. You can't say every single police officer is racist. You can't say that every single police officer, black, white, whatever, whoever is right away that's 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 going to be that's it's going to hurt minority people you can't condemn an entire police police forces for the actions of a few well let me, and that's let me... the biggest problem where people have they can't they can't associate the actions of a few as opposed to to many people that's because, because of mass you... media mass media is the uh, the that's the result of mass media well, mass media has always been the enemy of a lot of people. They always try to put everybody in, this, in, you know, in the same hut and everything like that. And Look, it's wrong. CNN was dying. They, they were on the verge of bankruptcy. And uh, in order to save themselves, CNN grabbed, this whole, uh, grabbed onto this whole Black Lives Matters movement and pushed it forward. Uh, without this, they would have been in the, guard, the dump heap of history. They One word, a lot of this media stuff, it's called sensationalism. That's what sells. Remember, they, we, you and I know that. Yeah, they want to get, you know, they want to get eyeballs, and that's the only yeah. way to get eyeballs. Now, when, um, C, when, when CNN first had the thing with Iraq, the, the, uh, the Iraq hostages or the, the, the situation with, uh, um, in, in Iraq, um, they, had to, they had these special technology that at that time they had these special phones, these special camera phones, that were very unique to them, and that's what pirated CNN so well for the technology. And then they just went downhill. Yeah. Now, like you said, they were on the verge of being bankrupt, and now they took this thing, they grabbed hold of it, because they want to have, you know, sensationalism sells. Same uh, thing as the papers, same thing as everything. The problem I have with uh, organizations like CNN, like Fox, like uh, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, problem I have with these networks is that... Um, is that they don't offer, they don't offer perspective. That's the problem I have. So they never did. CNN will offer you a, a leftist. They haven't in many years. CNN will offer you a leftist perspective on the news. Uh, so they don't offer you the news anymore. What they do is offer you opinion on the news. 
So CNN's uh, Don Lemon will come on and make some glorified statement. Yeah. And um, and it'll lean it'll lean totally left farther than the leftist guy you know. And then uh, Sean Hannity will come on to Fox and make some statement that leans farther right than the rightest guy you know. And then uh, and then you have well, to kind of watch both of them to kind of balance it out a little bit. Uh, and the problem is though, if if there are certain people who only watch one network and they get all their information from one network. And so when um, when uh, when the leader of Black Lives Matter has gone to CNN, well, I'm going to use this as an example. When the leaders of Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. gone on to CNN and said, "Listen, uh, our goal at the end of all this is to remove Donald Trump from office before the next election," said it clearly on CNN, verbalized it. See, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Okay, verbalized it that's, on that's CNN, wrong. and then in the same yeah. interview, the same person said. Yes, you have to understand, we are trained Marxists, and our idea is to overthrow the government and install a Marxist state, right? And, and so they said this live on CNN, and nobody wow. challenged them. And this is where my problem lies, is that as a journalist, I, if I, you know, when I was a journalist, I'm not a journalist now, but when I was a journalist, even as an interviewer, because I do a lot of interviews, uh, if, if somebody made a statement like that during an interview, uh, everything would come to a screeching halt right there, and I would go back and say, wait a second, I thought Black Lives Matter was your, you know, uh, getting Donald Trump. How does Donald Trump fit into all this, right? I, I would actually mm-hmm. question the whole idea of what they were saying. But nobody at CNN mm-hmm. did that. And that is, uh, that is the saddest thing in the world. So uh, when they didn't question them and they didn't harp on the fact that these people said that our main goal is to take down the government, to put in a Marxist state, and that uh, our, no. and the main no. goal of these protests is to get Donald Trump out of office— um, when nobody challenged them on that, then uh, then the population who watches CNN and who believe everything they see in here, uh, that was just glossed over and they never focused on it. People don't even know it. They might have watched I've the always, interview and missed it. I've always said this for many, many times, Howie, and, I, and you know this, okay? I've always said media, ha- media has a responsibility. And media has no business to tell people about electing a certain government Media has no business to tell you who to vote for. Media has no business in saying that they want to overthrow a government. Media's responsibility, and this is how you and I were brought up, uh, being in the old-fashioned journalism, the old-fashioned work ethic, is there's three sides to every story. One side, the other side, and there's the truth. And it's up to the people that we give them the information and it's up to people to make their own assessment, their own opinions, their own judgment. It's not for the, the, it's not for the media to tell people, number one, who to vote for, what side that you should be in your political values. No, that's not what the media is. The media gives the facts and you as a consumer, you take the facts, maybe in print, or in any kind of electronic broadcasting, you take the information, then you formulate your own opinion. The media just gives you the information. It's the media has to give you the responsibility in making your own decisions up. Yeah, unfortunately, and, the mainstream media in the states has become um, more opinion media than um, than than news media. So, you and know, the thing is, too, it also goes by the owner, what the owner's view is. And look, it's happened in Canada. In a, in a very big media conglomerate company that a, a media CEO got caught from the CRTC. Yeah, it was Bell Media. Because, yeah. So the thing, and he got caught. It was in the news and he got caught. Hook, line and sinker. He was 
I he tell, was caught red hand, I, red-handed. I tell this story often, and I'll tell it again because it's a good story. Uh, when I started in journalism, I was 14 years old. And uh, when I was 15, they started sending me, I started writing a column at 14. And at 15, they started sending me out to cover events. So I was sent out to cover <coughs> um, a pro-Israel rally. And there was a counter-rally across the street uh, with pro-Palestinian people. Mm-hmm. So you had a pro-Israel rally on one side of the street and, and an Arab rally on the other side of the street. And as a young journalist, because now I was an officially paid reporter at 15 years old, made me a young journalist, I felt it was my responsibility to get both sides of the story. Hey, if I'm going to cover the story, it has to be objective. I'm not going to put my opinion into it. I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to write my perspective into it. My perspective was pretty clear even back then. I'm not going to write my perspective into it. I'm a journalist. I have to be objective. So I spoke to the organizers of the, uh, of the pro-Israel rally. Then I spoke to the organizers of the pro-Arab rally, the pro-Palestinian rally. And I got some people on both sides to give comments. Uh, aside from the leadership, I, gave, I got some of the participants to give comments. And then I went down. I sat down. It took hours for me to write the article. I wasn't used to writing these kind of articles my first time. It took mm-hmm. me hours to sift through everything that ever was written and write, I write up an article that was objective. I showed it to different people. People read it, and they said, this is perfect, right? It's objective. You're not, uh, I can't tell from reading this article what side you stand on, which is the goal of any journalist, right? Mm-hmm. Present the facts, period. I gave the article to my editor. I get a call a couple of days later. And the editor says to me, listen, you got to change the article. It has to be pro-Israel. It can't be anything else. So I said to him, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I don't understand. You asked me to cover the event. Now I've covered the event, and this is how the event happened. This is what happened at the event. These are the players on both sides. I don't understand why I would not be able to present both sides. I mean, this is journalism, right? Mm-hmm. And he said to me, listen, the publisher pays the bills. And let me teach you a lesson, he says. The publisher pays the bills. If the publisher wants only one side, then we print only one side. Gee, that's so, wrong. So change the article. I had integrity even back then, and I said, I'm not changing the article. And the editor said to me, look, you might not be able to write another article if you don't change it. And I said to him, I don't care. I'm not changing the article. Well, they ran the article with my byline, and a completely different article under it. They rewrote the article, and they put my byline on it. And they oh, rewrote so it. So they changed, completely fabricated your article. And they, wow. they, they rewrote it to have the slant that the publisher wanted. So oh, I, boy. So, so when someone tells me I don't understand media bias, I understand it better than anybody else. I lived through yeah. it. I've seen it time and time and time again. I've worked for many different publications. I've worked for, many, for a couple of different radio stations. I've seen it time and time and time again. Let me just mm-hmm. tell you another story. On Radio Shalom, we were on uh, 1650 AM for 16 years. That was a long time mm-hmm. to be on the air. And, um, and over that time, I did a very Jewish radio show, very pro-Jewish radio show. And I, uh, I had many, many, many guests, thousands of guests over 16 years, maybe, maybe six or 7,000 guests on my show over mm-hmm. the time. Um, now, on, uh, on occasion, I would want to invite... Um, a reform or a um, or a conservative rabbi to be on the air with me because they had something interesting to say. They published an interesting book. They, you know, something happened that was interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And I was forbidden from having these people on the air. And so, um, 
And my argument, and their argument was, well, we don't want to, we don't want to give them a platform. And I said, well, that's so wrong. If I'm doing a show, a community show, then the community should be invited to the show. I can't, I can't exclude people from the community if it's a community show. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't understand why I can't have these people on. So for years, I listened to them. I didn't bring these people onto the show. Then um, one day, I decided that um, there was a new female rabbi in town. Uh, she was working for one of the synagogues. I don't remember which one. And uh, she, and she called me and said, "Hey, I'd like to come onto your show. Could you introduce me to the community?" And I said, "Sure." And I brought her in. And I was warned before I did the show not to refer to her as rabbi. And I said, wouldn't that be rude if this woman who comes in and refers to herself as rabbi comes in and I don't refer to her as rabbi? How rude would that be? I invited her onto my show. She's my guest. How rude would it be for me not to refer to her as rabbi? Mm-hmm. So uh, the management of the station there said, listen, listen, these are our policies and you have to follow the policies. You're on the station. You've got to follow the policies. So we went, on to the, uh, we went on to the air, and she came in, and I said, I would like to introduce you to Rabbi in her name. Right? And I referred to her as Rabbi for the entire show. Well, the management was livid. They were, they were, they were, they were nuts. They, they went crazy. How dare you? And you defied us, and how could you do that? And It's horrible what you did, and uh, you've ruined the station. Now, that was essentially their, their take, that, that I ruined the Jewish nature of the station by referring to this woman as a Rabbi. When she was uh, on the show with me, mm-hmm. I um, I got letters from the community saying, "How dare you bring a female rabbi onto the show?" Letters and letters and letters, tens of tens and hundreds of letters, and and wow. phone calls. My voicemail at the station was full of people yelling at me. So I got on the next show. I was on every night, and I got on the next show, and I said, "Listen," I said, "Uh." The lines were open the entire show. As I say on this show, the lines were open the entire show. Anybody who disagreed with anything she said, anything I said, any verbology I used, anything at all, could have called in. You had the opportunity to call in. Mm-hmm. So when you didn't call in, uh, that meant that either you didn't care enough to call in and challenge me at that time, or it, that it was irrelevant to you at the time, or um, or or you just didn't care at all. I mean, it's one or the other, right? So you didn't care enough about the show to call in to say, "Hey, you're ruining your show," or you didn't call, you didn't care enough to call in, or you, or nothing insulted you. You didn't get bothered by anything. Uh, the uh, the the end result was that uh, the people who were there at the interview, and there were a few people there in the in the room with us, uh, thought the interview was great. She was a great guest, and. Um, and uh, I really wish that she would have agreed to come back, but she got a lot of pressure on her end not to come back too, which was a shame because uh, I wasn't able to get her back on the air after that. She promised to come in at least once a month, and we would talk, and uh, and she never did because um, because of community pressure, mm-hmm. because the same people who were who were sending me mail and condemning me were condemning her on her side. So this is how it works, Sheldon. Unfortunately, this is how media works. And See, and that, that's a big problem, too. It's, again, it's, it, it goes what I was saying from before, is, like you said, if, if people would have called, let's say, and they did not agree with her, with her, if they did not agree with something you said or did not agree with your guest, and any guest that would say, 
but right away they would insult them or they would uh, or they would leave messages on your voicemail insulting you insulting at that time CJRS uh, you know insulting anybody else or whatever instead of actually being methodical and being a respectful debater that lose all sorts of credibility and even if her own community were saying the same thing was putting pressure on her and stuff like that all right not saying that they if they don't agree that she should be on at least be respectful not to go on but if she was willing to go on and she was very a nice guest and everything look i remember i was uh, i was uh, a pr your producer when you had the different parties that came in you didn't show any favoritism for any of the political uh, debaters you treated each and every one of them fair you you asked the hard questions you gave them time to answer you gave them time but to Sheldon, you remember, the question. You, do you remember the fallout from that uh, federal election debate you were there for the fallout too yeah afterwards. i was there for the fallout yep, yeah yeah and, and and like i just don't understand people that people just don't think and and like i said so let's you, talk let's you, talk about the fallout because i think it's interesting because it's important that people understand it's important that people understand Mm-hmm. That there was repercussions for everything, right? And, uh, and, and yeah, yeah. So, so we had a national debate. It was a, it was, <laughs> it was a debate. It was a political debate. It was for the national elections, for the federal elections. Mm -hmm. And we had the debate on the show. We, we, we did that every election. We had a debate on the show. We don't do that anymore. But uh, when we were on there, we, um, we, we, we used to do that. And, um, and, and we had this debate, and the conservatives. The conservative candidate thought that because I'm an Orthodox Jew, and that because I um, because I uh, I profess conservative values, that I would give him a free ride, and that was his that was his that, that's what he thought, and so he came in unprepared for the interview. Unprepared for the debate. Sorry, not the interview. It wasn't the interview? It was the debate. He came in unprepared for the debate. Remember, Sheldon had that huge binder with him. And oh, he was, do I remember that? He was leafing through the binder, trying yeah. to find the answers to the questions we were asking him because he didn't know them because he didn't bother preparing. Because he thought I would give him a cakewalk because he was pro-Israel. Um, so um, when I didn't give him a cakewalk, I'll tell you what the follow was because I, I don't know if you were there for all of it, Sheldon. Okay. Uh, after, after that debate happened and the conservative candidate was trounced, he was destroyed in that debate. In fact, that debate brought up an uh, brought up a whole topic that became a scandal. Uh, I don't know if you remember the whole thing about the uh, flyers. Oh boy, do I remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that was picked up by the uh, by the National Post newspaper, and became a huge scandal, Canadian scandal. Uh, so even after the, all that happened, and that was a, that was a result of a question I asked him, and then the Liberal candidate. Got up and said, "What about this?" And he pulled out this flyer, and then the whole thing blew up, um, which was which was great. I mean, it gave us it gave us free publicity. I I don't mind free publicity. I don't mind breaking news sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, at after that, I went to hear the same candidate speak at a local synagogue. He was uh, giving a speech at a local synagogue, and I went in and I sat down as one of the audience members. I wasn't the moderator. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't involved in the debate at all. It was a day or two days after our debate. And uh, he, was, he was debating again. Uh, the, two, two, the three candidates were debating again. And I went and I sat down to listen to this debate, a political debate. Well, the conservative campaign manager came up to me and said to me, you can't be here. You have to leave now. 
So he said to me, excuse me? He says to me, you can't be here. You have to leave now. If you don't leave now, we're going to get the RCMP. They're going to remove you. You have to go. So I said to him, why do I have to go? He says, because you made my candidate look stupid and we don't want you here. So you got to go. So after arguing with the guy and, uh, and I mean, it was, it was a pretty silly argument. We had, we had a pretty silly argument. After arguing with the guy, we moved into the lobby. The debate was happening in the big room, and we moved into the lobby and because it was just too noisy. It, it, we were getting too noisy to be in the main room. So I moved into the lobby with him, and he tried to physically remove me from the building. Like, he tried to physically remove me from the building. Now, I'm not a huge guy, but I could defend myself, and I, I fended him off. And then he said to me, listen, he says, the... Um, the Prime Minister is coming to speak in Montreal next week. You're not invited. You can't come in. I'm putting you on the blacklist. So I said, hmm. okay, interesting, right? So uh, CTV News was there, and CTV News uh, was record recorded the whole incident from the beginning to the end. They happened to have been standing next to me when this whole thing started, and they started the cameras rolling, and they followed us into the lobby, and they recorded the entire thing. So I went up to the CTV reporter, who I happen to have known for multiple years. And I said to her, uh, listen, I said to her, are you going to run this? Because, <laughs> I mean, this really shouldn't be the story. Uh, I don't care if you run it. It doesn't bother me because, I mean, I didn't do anything. I was just sitting there. So I, I really don't care if you run this, but this really should not be the story. The story should be the debate, not, the, not, not what happened here. And she said, I have to think about it, and I'll let you know. Anyway, they didn't end up running. The, they did not end up running the story. Uh, but I went to the prime minister speaking. He was speaking at the Y, at the uh, Y on Westbury. And I went to hear the prime minister speak. And I got into the line. I got to the front of the line, and I gave my name because that was the procedure. And I was told that um, I was on the blacklist and I wasn't able to get in. You had a media pro uh, press pass, or yeah, no? yeah. I had registered okay. with the prime minister's office. Uh, okay. because that's that's the way media works. You register at the Prime Minister's office, and then when you show up, you're on an approved list, and they let you in right away. Okay. So I said, um, why would I be on the blacklist? I mean, could you give me a reason why I'm on the blacklist? So the media press person who was there said to me, listen, I have to call Ottawa and find out. Let me, uh, let me make a phone call. I waited. She called me back. She says, the campaign manager put you on the, on the, press, on the, on the, on the blacklist. He didn't give a reason. So I said, fine. I said, take me off the blacklist. If you can't give me a reason to be on the blacklist, then take me off the blacklist. There's no reason for to not let me in. I'm mm -hmm. not a security risk. And the only time anyone's put on the blacklist is if they're a terrorist or a security risk. I'm neither. So uh, take me off that blacklist and give me a pass to go inside. There's no reason I shouldn't be inside. She hummed and she hawed and then she went to get her manager and she came back and she took me off the list and put me on a gun side. So I'm standing in the press. Uh, there was an area for press. I was standing in the press area on the press platform. And we were directly across from the candidates. And the candidates' campaign managers were all sitting next to them. This particular campaign manager looked up and saw me standing there and had a conniption fit. The guy went nuts. He got up. He started screaming across the room at me. He came running, bolting across the room, 
I was standing behind a bunch of cameras. There were a bunch of TV cameras in front of me. I was right behind the TV cameras. He came <laughs> bolting across the room. The cameras all turned to him, screaming like a maniac. Why are you here? You're on the blacklist. You can't be here. Get out. What, 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 you know, who let him in? Talk Security. about him embarrassing himself. Uh, well, I was just standing there. And, uh, oh, my God. One of the reporters standing next to me leans over to me and says to me, what did you do? Uh, you know, what, what did you put into his, his cornflakes this morning, right? Oh, my God. Like, I have no idea. The guy's nuts. Look at him. Wow. I, and the guy went totally nuts. Uh, that ended up on the news that <laughs> night on every network. Okay, and they all interviewed me, and they said to me, well, why is he angry at you? Like, why was he screaming like that at you? And my answer to them was quite simply, I hosted a debate, a radio debate, and his candidate looked like an idiot because he didn't prepare himself. <laughs> and they said to me, you're kidding, right? I said, here's a link to the debate. It's online. You can go listen to it. And oh half, of them, half of them did, and they played clips from the debate in the, uh, in, in the newscast, in the news, in the news uh, story. Oh, that's funny. Where he was going, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, let me say uh, one second. It's here in the book. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> Um, right. Oh, I, re I remembered that. So, uh, the so that was that was the fallout. Destroyed this guy. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, that was the fallout from that. But that that was fun. I mean, you know, stuff like that. When stuff like that happens, it's funny. I like to laugh about stuff like that because it's ridiculous. But yeah. but media does that. They they warp the story. They change the story. They twist the facts to fit a narrative. And when they twist the facts to fit the narrative, what happens is. The general public believe them. So whatever you see on television, whatever you hear on the radio, you believe. It's, it becomes the truth. Well, it it's always matter. an amplification of what the, what the facts are. And, and the facts might be true. Might be. And I'm saying might. Not Remember always. what I'm saying. Yeah. But, they, but they amplify it to such a level that it's, it's so hard for the average, like you and myself, to actually believe what is true. And you really have to decipher. So you have to do your own detective work by going into going into a form of broadcasting or prints that we were brought up to know and respect years ago for them to do the digging but now we have to do the digging into in, in, into media that we no longer trust anymore yeah like look look how it's evolved and it and it's not I, I, I really p pity the people that are r right now in mainstream mainstream corporate media like really corporate media in the States, like all the big major uh, U.S. networks and everything, I feel I really pity a lot of these people because whether or not you're Fox or whether or not you're CNN, whatever the case is, right wing, left wing, it shouldn't be any wing. It should be the facts, period. It's not, it, it, like you said, now media is now opinionated. Like it used to be, like radio talk show hosts are one thing. They, they're paid to make an opinion on something. News people should be strictly news, not opinionated. Let me ask you this unless question, it's a, Unless it's an editorialist. Let me ask you this question. You were a producer on a major, at a major uh, AM radio station for, what, mm -hmm. 25 years, 30 years? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so you were there for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, when these hosts get on and give their opinion on a topic, is it always their opinion on that topic that they're presenting? No. Are they told which side to get? They are now. Maybe years ago they weren't. Like when I first started out, no. But um, now? No, it was their own opinion. And there would actually even be a disclaimer. 
saying the opinions are those of, of those and does not necessarily remember the old disclaimer yeah i had one before my show every show for 16 years i really not anymore you won't you won't if you put on the, the mainstream media now where i used to work you will not hear that now yeah for, you will not hear that for 16 years right before my show every episode and sometimes uh, before the first half of the segment second segment third segment yeah. every time i came back on the air they played that disclaimer yeah, yeah. i remember the disclaimer um, yep. Now, now it, I heard it for 16 years every night, right? So I, I remember it clearly. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, now the question I have for you is: uh, so they have a meeting with the um, with the program director or brand manager, whatever they call them now. The mm -hmm. Title they keeps call changing. Brand manager. Title keeps brand changing. Director. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the brand director tells which person's going to take which side. They they, they 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 assign sides. Pretty much, yeah. Because there's a lot of times, like it depends on the weight of the host. But now, especially with the newer, younger hosts that are now going on, because now if you notice all the veteran hosts, in many cases, especially where I used to work, are no longer there. Yeah, they were too expensive. I know. They're too expensive. And the thing was, they, they, they had so much weight in their contracts and everything like that. They had a right to be in their opinion. But now the newer hosts now won't, won't see that. You will not see that anymore. They'll be so they're basically told what to say. Are they given talking points? And it's not necessarily, and it's not necessarily the brand managers that's telling them. It's the people over the brand ma manager in the right. ivory towers that tell the brand manager when they meet with the announcers. This is the point of view I want the announcers to make. Are the announcers given talking points? Some yes, some no. Okay, depends on the announcers. Some that are very, very, very well uh, adequated and really are very you know are, are very proficient no they not no not really and they'll get certain guide points and then the rest they do it themselves but a lot of times i mean look it really corp uh, it really they really ran it to a corporation to the point where i had look i'll give you an example talk about being a corporation and then you could and then you could um deduce of exactly what i'm uh, what i'm going to say i would have a meeting as a producer maybe one meeting a month. And many cases, the meeting that I would have would be a special event meeting. Like if it was a Remembrance Day broadcast, if it was something very specific in, in, in a meeting like that. Or it would be in the case of, uh, let's say, the odd, the odd operators meeting, as we would call it. Okay? Right. Then, and I was working at one station. Now... Fast forward much, much later on, I wasn't working at one station. I wasn't working at two stations. I was working at three stations. So now I went from one meeting to now I was working with three different hosts on CJD alone. So I was working with Tommy. I was working with Rick. And I was working with Rick and Suzanne. And Rick and Rick and Suzanne were two separate shows. Rick right. was from 12 to 1. Su Rick and Suzanne was 1 to 3. And Tommy was 9 to 12. That's three, uh, three separate meetings for CJD alone. Fast forward, I was working for Mix, so I had a production meeting. I was working for Shom. I had a music meeting because I was doing reconciliation of music. I was helping out the music director and program director. Mm -hmm. and, I was also, and I was also doing a production meeting for Shom. Right. So I had, instead of one meeting, maybe a month, I was having up to 10 meetings a week. Wow. That's a lot of meetings. Actually, no. I, excuse me. Uh, no, I, it's even more than that because I was having three meetings of CJD a day, 
okay? Then I was having the odd time for mix, the odd time, and the odd time for Shom. Shom, I had two meetings, two meetings a week. Now, at so the I meetings, have... now, now I want to talk with CJD because uh, at, okay. at CJD, they're at the talk station, and talk radio is what yeah. convinces people. I mean, music radio doesn't really have, isn't really very influential when it comes to politics. Talk radio no, is. No, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, in the meetings for CJD, how did those meetings go? How did the programmers uh, present the ideas and the opinions to the presenters, so that the presenters understood that this is the the way they had to go? They had no choice. They would basically uh, they would basically suggest. A t- uh, su- when I'm saying suggest, I'm putting it in quotation marks. Yeah, of course. Su- they were they were ordered. Su- yeah. su- suggest a topic to the announcer and the thing is they would know that this announcer would take this particular stand and it would in many cases make the announcer feel very uneasy because tommy had a certain point of view and the station if the station agreed with him there was no problem tommy tommy would be comfortable or announcers would be comfortable it's not just tommy it's announcers in general because i don't want to just leave it for tommy in all due respect Uh, but I'm but I'm saying for that's how the radio stations started doing it. And now, if in fact they would suggest a topic from the upstairs that announcers would not agree with, they would really pressure the announcer in doing something they don't want to do. And it really and the thing is, once you do that, and the, if the announcers are uncomfortable, it goes over the air. Like as much as an announcer tries his or her very best to try to make it sound like it's their opinion. You could you could hear it as a person that's a really astute listener. You could pick it up, and most listeners will pick it up, saying that's not the way this announcer usually would focus. That's not the way the announcer would be comfortable with. So why and would then also why, why would why would programmers put their announcers in such in such positions? I mean, at this point here, you're you're putting your announcer you're putting your announcer in a position where. He's going to lose credibility. He or she is going to lose credibility with their audience. Why would you do an or- that? An organization only cares about them, about their corporate bottom line. It's all about the owner. That's why, like, I remember the um, the owners of the Montreal Gazette Post Media. Uh, I think it was uh, Asper was his name. Was, um, uh, he, was, he was the owner of CanWest Global. Yeah. Yeah, or CanWest Global. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, pardon me. So CanWest Global. He was very influential on the, the type of editing, and he was very, very... Um, very uh, tough on his editors and tough on his writers. And if it didn't reflect his point of view, um, they would not be able to publish the article. Right. They would not be able to express a viewpoint. So it's like, let's say you wanted to make uh, a pro-Israel and and pro-Palestinian demonstration, put two sides to the story, which is what you're supposed to do, Regardless of what your religious affiliation is, if both demonstrations are peaceful and both demonstrations and you want to get the viewpoints out there, first of all, in any demonstration anyway, if you want to get your viewpoint, it's not done by violence. It's done by, you know, that person, that that side demonstrates, the other person demonstrates. You get both points of view of what of what their what their thinking processes are and all this other stuff. And you get both points of view and you have and you balance it into effective journalism. That's and the way it's supposed to be, it. yeah. And the thing is, it, you were you were forced by the publisher, by the editor, uh, I wasn't forced. I didn't do it, and they did it for me. Yeah, they did it for you. So that, yeah. that's the thing. So that, that, in a way, distinguished your credibility. But the people that do know you will know that, obviously, that's not you. 
Like well, the people that'll know the announcers that go on the microphones and, and know that it, this is not the, the particular side or point of view this announcer is doing, they know right away. The, you know, the, the listeners are not stupid. No. And unfortunately, corporate media treats their, their consumers, may be readers or may be listeners or viewers, they insult their intelligence because they feel that they don't know any better. Hey, and look, they're I... only doing it on their bottom line because they're basically having an extension of their own political views. And I never agreed with that, no matter if you're left wing or right wing. I always believed that media has to be, has to be completely unbiased. Hey, look, I've always I, I was believed a, in it. I was a prolific writer. I was a really prolific writer when I was 14, 15, 16. I wrote mm-hmm. columns after column after column. I wrote political columns. I wrote conspiracy theory columns. I, wrote, I, I, I did the whole gambit of stuff, right? I, I had I had four or five different columns over the course of uh, twenty years. Um, mm-hmm. Now in those in those columns, my leader my my listenership my readership sorry my readership got mm-hmm. to understand my perspective because that's what column is right you're writing opinion it's opinion pieces right. so they got to understand my perspective my political perspective when that article came out I had to, I had just finished writing a column I, I was writing columns for. About a year before that, um, and that article came out. I was there. They were getting letters to the editor saying, "Hey, he didn't write that." Well, like, what? What the heck? <laughs> Who wrote that column? I mean, it had his name on it, but that exactly. really wasn't his writing. It wasn't his style. It wasn't the way he writes. It wasn't you know, it didn't reflect the way that we know with a we know him writing. So I assume that's what happens when people listen to a host every day, and exactly. then suddenly the host comes up with some kind of cocky main, you know idea that that doesn't reflect anything he's ever said before or will ever say again well it's like exactly announcer a is going to say that he's like let's say a, a more of a right wing more of a right wing person announcer b is a left wing person so could you imagine if the uh, announcer a that was right wing all of a sudden takes a left wing format yeah people are going to think that's not him that's not and these are people that usually listen the demographics always listen to to, to these particular shows day in and day out and they're going to know exactly after, even even if it's the first few times they listen, they'll get to know the announcer. They'll get to know the mannerisms of his or him or her. They get to know the style. They get to know exactly where they stand on different different viewpoints on on all on all on the all grand scheme of things. And then all of a sudden, as they're getting used to it, the announcer varies, and they're going to realize, mm-hmm. you, you know what? It, they know right away it's not the announcer that's doing it. So people are not stupid. And people, the consumers, which are the listeners, the viewers, as well as the readers, they get very, they get very well acquainted of the announcers and the personalities that write and, and go in front of a microphone, in front of a camera. So they know right away. They're not stupid. And the problem is media has to stop insulting and the owners have to stop insulting the intelligence of the listeners. Those are the people, too, that... Go to the advertisers and buy the products. Yeah, and I, you know, and that's the thing. It's even in political debates, on ever and ever. You know, I always said that no matter what, and I, and I always said like many times on your show as a, as a, as a guest host, as a contributor on your show, I always said one thing: for people to go out and cast their vote. I never said who to vote for, and I will, and I will never say who to vote for. Because everybody's vote is who they vote for is their business. It's not for me to tell to tell them to tell you vote conservative, vote, vote liberal, vote NDP. That's not my issue. That's not in my business. My business is though to tell people 
if you're going to complain if you don't like a particular party, government leader, whatever, and you didn't vote, Go then and vote. stop, then don't complain because you haven't done anything. You sense. haven't done anything. It's logical, Sheldon. That's logical. Yeah. So all I'm saying to people, like when it comes to any election, municipal, school board, um, provincial, federal election, and I, and I go for all the, I vote for all the elections. I, 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 if I'm not in tune of what's going on, I do my research. I listen. I said, what is close to my point of view? And then I'll say, okay, candidate A. Okay. So I go out. I cast my ballot. I might cast my ballot. I go out and vote. I do. And many countries don't offer that type of dem- democracy, the democratic freedom to go and vote. It's true. People have died by it. People have fought for our right to vote. And when you start getting low turnouts... That's and then people get frustrated in the government. Well, what do you think is going to happen? And could you imagine if a government or a leader or a party lost by one vote and you didn't go to to vote? Like, how do you think you're going to uh, feel then? Statistical odds of that happening. I, are I know, zero, but you know Sheldon. what I'm saying. But you know what I'm saying. You know, yeah. Statistical odds. Yes, you're right, 100. percent But I'm saying, could you imagine if that ever came down to it? Right. You never know. It might. It may never happen. Or it might happen, but but even that. It, so that that's what I'm saying. Like uh, the U.S. is going to go through a very big election. Yeah, it's coming. Whether or not you whether or not you like Trump or you don't like Trump, what I would say to an, the American voter is go out and vote. That's all I'm saying. If you're if you're able to, I don't know if they'll be able to do it online. I don't know what's going to be with COVID. I don't know what's going to happen. But the way it's going right now, I don't know how this is going to all turn out in the end. But I'm saying if you're able to vote, if you're able to vote online, cast your ballots, like be like go out. And if you don't like Trump, vote against him. If you like Trump, vote for him. Yeah, whatever. So all I'm saying is for people to go out and vote. It's it's not for me to say don't vote for Trump or vote for Trump. I'm saying go out and just vote. That's what I'm that's Sheldon, what I'm telling if you were going out to vote this November, would you vote for Trump? I would go out and vote. Uh, you're you're yeah, avoiding I, the question. I like I like you skirting well, around the question. I, I don't I don't tell people who I vote for. I mean that's my own you know it's that's my own that's but, my but own. But you're not you're not American, right. Sheldon. But the, so you're but not the, voting. But the thing is, I am. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll promise you this. If I was an American citizen, you're darn tooth. I'd be out on the polls or vote online or wherever to be able to cast my cast my ballot. But would you First vote for all, Trump? I'm not I'm not I'm not an American. Would you vote for Trump if you were American? I would look. I would look into what his policies are at the are you, time of the election. It's okay to say no, Sheldon. Well, right now, if I was going to go into the election now, I would say no. Okay. But yeah. at the same time, you know what? Let me preface that by saying, the the Democrats, the Democrats are not exactly helping themselves either. Would you vote for Joe Biden? I'm not crazy about Joe Biden. I'll be totally honest with, with you either. I am not crazy about Joe Biden. He's kind of two-faced. So I am really not crazy about Joe Biden. Um, I was... Uh, I, he's not blowing me away. Trump, and the thing is, again, Trump's not blowing me away. So I don't know. You know, like, I even think, too, like, the American politicians are almost like a joke in many cases. Look, we had presidents that were former actors. Yeah. We had we had governors that were that was a wrestler that never governed in his life. We had a we had a California governor that was an actor. You have a president. You have a prime minister of Canada who's a drama teacher. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, what is it, to, you know, if this is the best that we could do for our politicians, then I think the whole political overhaul really remains to be seen. I think it's time. Uh, you, look, you know, look like Trump, Trump didn't come out of a vacuum. Trump came out of... Uh, out of, a, out of a movement where people were just tired of the politicians, tired of the BS, tired of being lied to, tired of the promises that were never kept. Trump was wow. a protest vote. He was a protest vote. He got in as a protest vote. That's fine. I'm, I mean, how, That's fine. how that he's going to do in the next election now, is anybody's guess. Now, unfortunately, unfor well, fortunately, it's, it's fortunate and unfortunate all at the same time. The American political system is set up so that uh, the average Joe could become president, theoretically yeah. speaking. And you I got mean, the Electoral College. Yeah, today you need a billion dollars to do this. But, uh, but yeah. at one point, the average Joe was able to run for president. Yeah. Um, you didn't have to be a billionaire to run for president. Nope. Uh, so so th the system was set up for the people by the people, so that people could be ruled by the people. And the people are me, you, and everybody else, right? Yep. yep. Now, uh, Trump is truly testing that theory that the country could be run by the people because i mean he wasn't a politician he came out of nowhere and he became president and and, and that's fine i i have no issue with trump being president what i have an issue with though and th this is where my major issue lies i support the presidency of the united states i don't necessarily support the president i support the presidency the office of the united states president and the destruction or the attempted destruction of that office by the democrats uh, over the last three and a half years, or three and a quarter, three and three quarter years, has really been, has really been uh, scary, because you destroy the presidency, you destroy the country. So it's really been scary how they've tried to destroy the office of the president. This president here, look, presidents come and go. They've had good presidents, bad presidents. I mean, it happens. Of course. Yep. So that's why they're only there for uh, four years. After four years, you can vote them out, right? So mm -hmm. if, if it's a bad president, after four years, you could dump them. If the country doesn't like him, dump them. Uh, but the, the, the concerted effort to destroy the office of the presidency over the last three and a half years, orchestrated by the Democratic uh, Party of America, has really, really turned me against him, period. I, I've really been turned against him because it's been so anti-democratic. It's been so anti-republic. It's been so anti-American that uh, it, it's just hard for me to swallow. Now, they forced me. They have forced me to become a Trump supporter. I wasn't a Trump supporter. I've never been a Trump supporter. I was a supporter of the presidency, a supporter of... I've always respected the presidency of the United States. When Obama was in there, I didn't like him as a president. I spoke against his policies, but I always supported the idea that he was president. I never, I never argued that he shouldn't be president. I may not like his ideas, so you, you fight about policy. But you don't fight about the validity of the presidency and the validity of the Electoral College and the validity of, uh, of, of the Constitution... You know, these, these are arguments you should not be having because mm -hmm. these, these arguments promote the destruction of the, of, the, uh, of, the, of the Republic of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. okay. So he was, elected, he was elected according to the, square, the rules of the game. Uh, he, he followed the rules or didn't follow whatever it was. He was elected according to the rules. He, everyone knew the rules before the election. At the end of the election, he won according to the rules. He's president. You don't well, like him? Yeah. I, one thing, when he was elected, in my in my personal opinion, he was elected fair and square in the democratic process. Yeah. 
for four years. Whether or not you like him or you don't so, like him, he was elected pure and simple. So, will he be elected next election? Who knows? Again, it will be up to the democratic pro process of people, the American people, but going to the polls and casting Sheldon, their ballots. But Sheldon, the day after he was elected, not even the day after, a few hours after he was inaugurated, the Washington Post already ran, a, uh, already ran uh, an article saying the impeachment process has begun. They were talking about impeachment. Well, again, you know, like, the day he was the day he was signed in as president. Yeah. So well, that's the thing. Again, media there is you go. not being fair. And that's why I said uh, whether or not it would be Obama or Trump or anybody else it in the media, who. they should be subject to the same scrutiny, the same questions, the same everything. Uh, it it sh there should not be impar uh, partiality of uh, any political party, any political leader from the media. Everybody has to be treated fair and square. Okay, so just and before we go, Sheldon, let's just recap. We both agree that Nick Cannon should not have a national platform anymore after what he said uh, this week. Absolutely, yep. I, I don't believe in cancel culture, but I believe that when people express hatred, they should be removed. 100%. We both agree that when a president is elected, no matter how unpopular he is, he's still president until he's Absolutely. unelected. Absolutely. That's the democratic process. And and we both agree that anyone who doesn't like the president shouldn't be supporting organizations claiming to over, want to overthrow the president like Black Lives Matter. They should be voting in the next election to get that's rid of the what, president. That's what the cast of the votes of voters are. That's where that's where it stands in numbers. That's the most powerful tool. It's the same thing as you tune off a, a radio station, a television station, a podcast. You have the tools to your fingertips. Use them. So, Sheldon, we agree on more than we disagree today. Well, this is not the first time, and it won't be the last time. It's I go by the facts. I go by the I go by all all sides and everything like that. And everybody should be treated equal. And if a person gets voted in, whether or not I don't I like him or I don't like him, you like him or you don't like him, the person gets voted in in the proper democratic process, fair and square. Then the person is president, whether you like him or you don't like him. It's President Trump. I, I'm, I, even if I hate the guy or I don't, or I love the guy, he's President of the United States of America. It's in the books. Yep. Uh, is he going to get elected next election? We'll I see don't in know. November. He, yeah. We'll, know, we'll see in November. And it's, uh, I mean, the process is the process. I'm never going to argue against the process. Uh, and that's what really bothered me is that the argument against the process, the argument uh, uh, trying to usurp the democracy of the United States of America, that bothered me a lot. And, um, and you know, people people were calling me. You're a Trump supporter, as if it's some kind of insult. And I was like, I'm also I'm also wondering if that's going to affect uh, if that's going to create a lower turnout again to the polls, which I hope it doesn't. I hope one thing I do always hope when it comes to the polls, whether or not you're you're uh, a person voting in Canada for a Canadian election or a person voting voting south of the border into the United States election, I really hope that there's going to be a lot of people going out to vote because it's time for people. It, we have the democratic process. Use it. Use it. You know, use people, your, if you're angry against the government, use it to the polls. People don't vote because they feel dis disillusioned. Yeah. They, they feel disillusioned. They feel disenfranchised from the process. And that's, yeah. that's really where the problem lies. That's why people don't go out to vote. They don't, they, you know, the voting record is so low because people don't feel that their votes matter, that their votes count. They don't, they don't feel that way. Yeah. Uh, look, and I and I say instead of Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. All languages matter. 
everybody matters. I, I agree 100%. It's uh, not just black, whites. It's look how many... Look, I, I, I empathize with the black community and the struggles that they have. I empathize with the Jewish community, the struggles they have, and the, exactly. and the Pakistani yeah. community, the struggles they have, and the Sri Lankan community, the struggles they have, yeah. And, yeah. and all the minority communities, because we're all fighting the same struggles here in Quebec, uh, especially yeah. here in Quebec. We're all yeah. fighting the same struggles. The Muslim community, we're all fighting the same struggles. Even and I empathize with all of them. Even linguistic problems, even linguistic rights here. Yeah, you know, we're all fighting oppression, right? We have an oppressive mm-hmm. government in Quebec, and we've had oppressive governments for years. And we're all fighting the oppression in Quebec, whether it be minorities, yeah. any minority in Quebec. So I, mm-hmm. I empathize with all minorities. Me um, too. The, uh, the overemphasis of Black Lives Matters is media hype. It will disappear after the, after the election if Trump loses. This whole thing will just disappear because it's mm-hmm. all just a ploy to get Trump out of office. If Trump wins, this will continue, and will continue until they could find a way to get Trump out of office. Uh, well, he could only he could only be a president for for, eight for two years. terms. Yeah. So after that, so it doesn't make Trump, a difference. He's going to be out anyway. If Trump wins, we might be in for another eight, four years of this garbage. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. Sheldon, so, thank you so much for joining me tonight. My pleasure. I do always. appreciate it. I want to thank everybody uh, who is watching and listening. Uh, I, I appreciate that, too. And uh, we, I will be back uh, on Tuesday. On Tuesday, I will be back here on the uh, Howie Silberger Show. And then on, uh, on Tuesday at midnight, going into Wednesday, uh, Political Hitman on Israel News Talk Radio. That, uh, that, that is always a fun show, so feel free to tune into that. As Howie puts on the Blues Brothers sunglasses. I, I should put on the Blues Brothers sunglasses. <laughs> I, 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 you know, that picture, I don't even know where they got that picture from. It's hilarious. I, that's, I love it. I love it. I think it's great. I love it. I don't know where it came from. Okay. Yeah, there's, well. a, there's, a few pictures, there's a few pictures of me floating around the internet that I have no clue where they came from. <laughs> I can see how we have political hitmen. I'm a soul man. <laughs> that's what I am. I'm a soul man. <laughs> Uh, Have a good night, Howie. All you, the best. You don't want to hear me singing. Definitely nope. not. <laughs> Definitely not. All right. I'm Howie Silberger. He's Sheldon Freed. Thank you so much, Sheldon. I'm Howie Silberger. He's Sheldon Freed. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I will see you again on Tuesday. Uh, stay t- Take care. Stay, uh, stay tuned for the rest of the programming here on TrueTalkRadio.com. <laughs>